Hello, everybody. In today's episode, we're going to talk about the D. All right, those stallions on the back end, points leagues, category leagues, and enough analysis to choke a camel. Let's get to biz. This is Apples and Genos. You are listening to Cream of the Crop. Hockey Podcast, an Apples and Genos presentation. Thank you, Apples and Genos. Yeah, I'm your host, Blake Creamer. Please head on over to X and follow me. Uh, my handle there at Blake Creamer AG. Also, Apples and Genos has a great Discord. The link is in the description of the show here. So definitely click on that and get in there. Got lots of good conversations happening. Uh, also, I did want to mention that um, Nate from Apples and Genos is running some best ball leagues, uh, drafts. You basically just um, click the link. It's an invite into a Fantrax league. You have to pay $5 uh, US and you're drafting. It kind of hits that draft itch, right? I'm, I'm in a couple of them myself. There's already six best ball leagues and I think probably more to come. So definitely get into the Discord just for that, right? Um, and you can just start drafting um, with a bunch of... the legends the freaking units that are here in the apples and genos discord so do that also i do want to mention uh please rate the pod if you haven't already uh if you have we see you we appreciate you thank you so much for doing that um but yeah giving the pod a rating that really helps us that gets this pod out to more people you know although you know what we don't want to get it out to too many people all right because those are the people we want to crush all right at fantasy so i don't know you know what? I don't even know where I'm going with this. Rate the pod. We'll, we'll deal with that on the back end. All right. I did want to mention as well, if you've listened to the last Apples and Genos podcast with Josh Hutchinson and Binksy, John Binkle, uh, they talked about positive regression candidates and Binksy mentioned that he's doing a little giveaway for rating the pod. So um, long story short, I believe it was something like rate the pod. Take a picture of it and DM either Josh or John and Sounds like Binksy's going to be buying somebody, some lucky person, a jersey of his choosing. Uh, and he's the jersey king. Um, you know, that the jersey king. That sounds like the jersey shore. I don't know. We'll have to talk to Binksy about that. But Oh, my God, Ronnie. Um, yeah, he's, he's going to buy a jersey for somebody uh, who's rating the pod. So definitely get over there, do that, and then uh, take a picture, send it to Josh or Binksy on X or on the Discord. Okay. Okay, but that's all I got for that. Now we got to get into business, all right? Big time business. Um, it's awesome. Yahoo is open for business. You know, there's mock drafts happening. Fantrax has some ADPs going on there. So there, there are going to be lots of content coming up here from Apples and Genos. We're going to be dissecting those ADPs. We're going to be finding values, especially once Yahoo releases theirs. Um, currently, Yahoo's uh, rankings are just janked. They got some ridiculous, uh, you know, rankings there. You, you know, just stupid value. That's going to all normalize and, you know, but we'll be make, uh, but we'll make sure and, you know, let you know where, where the values are as soon as things start to get a little bit more normal. Okay. But we're looking, talking about uh, defensemen today and yeah, top 10 defensemen, early defensemen, right? We're, we're still, it's still August. It's only August 14th, right? We, you know, these lists are going to get, these lists are going to be, you know, kind of whittled down a little bit. But D-Man was tough. There's too many good ones. Uh, and it was, the, it was the year of the D, giggity, um, last season. Boy, there was a ton of uh, um, defensemen that were very fantasy relevant, just doing crazy stuff. Um, so the top 10 was really tough, especially when looking at category leagues as well, because defensemen, they're typically the ones bringing the thunder, right? The periffs, blocks and hits and, and shots on goal too and, and pims if you have that. So um, I did my best. I'm going to give my rationale for these guys. As usual, let me know what you think of the list. Who would you have on there? Did I miss anybody? Probably not, all right? Because I don't do that. But, you know, I'd love to hear what you have to say. So we're going to count down from 10 to 1. I'm excited about this crop of D-men, but who is the cream? All right, who's rising to the top? Let's find out. Hmm?
right. At number 10, I had to put my boy Quinn Hughes on there from the Vancouver Canucks after he lit it up last season. Um, yeah, it's this was really hard. I, I had there was points where I had Quinn Hughes off the table and I had some other defensemen in there, but I don't know. When when you have just the, the floor that Quinn Hughes has on the deployment. Um, he, he's just a very consistent pick, and I, I want to get into what makes Quinn Hughes so good. So let's do that. First, let's look at what he was able to accomplish last season. In 78 games with the Canucks last season, uh, and a stinky season at that for the Vancouver Canucks, Quinn Hughes was flourishing somehow. He got uh, 76 points in 78 games, including 69 assists. Nice. Um, yeah, it, it was a, a really good offensive season here for Quinn Hughes. 34 points on the power play and a scorching 74% power play share. Wow. So, um, you know, that equals over four minutes time on ice on the power play for Quinn Hughes last season. So that's that's obviously what you want to see, especially when you got the offensive weapons that the Canucks do on that power play. He also had uh, just overall 25 minutes and 40 seconds average time on ice. That's elite, right? That That is... Um, you know, that's good for fourth in the league, Quinn Hughes. So he, he's getting the deployment. Obviously, you love that. That's, that's you know, you got to be out there to get uh, your statistics, right? But, you know, <laughs> Quinn Hughes, there's a reason he's at number 10, even in points leagues, right? Because he doesn't do a lot else, right? Hughes is not a big shooter, right? And he's probably not going to get a ton of goals in his career either. But he's an elite passer, and he's so, so good because uh, I've watched him for, for years now. He's so good at zone exits and entries, right? He controls it when he's entering. He sets it up. Um, and he's amazing at just making the right play in his own zone to either, you know, pass the puck out or rush it out. He, he's he's elite at that. Um, he controls play at a ridiculous level. He rarely makes a bad pass. And I'm not even exaggerating when I say that. You know, there uh, there's lots to like for Quinn Hughes. But for fantasy, it doesn't always translate, does it? Yes, we love the assists that you bring, buddy, and the power play points, but there's really nothing else, is it? Like, perifs? No, they're non-existent, buddy. Um, like, last season, this, he had a career high in hits last season with 29 whoppers, all right? He's not a beefer. He's a vegan, uh, he, he's vegan cheese. That's what Quinn Hughes is, uh, you know, it's it's the opposite of beef. He's he's a bean sprout, all right? That's, that's where... I'm, I'm just going to keep going with the, the opposite of beef uh, references here. But yeah, 29 hits, career high, buddy. Thank you for your service, all right? And then 71 blocks, again, not really doing much. And he doesn't shoot much either. Only two shots on goal per game. So he's not really he's not really ringing the bell there. But that's not really why you draft him, is it, right? We draft him because he's, he's elite at passing and the power play points, right? Um... You know, we, we got to look at, let, like, let's dive in a little bit into his season here as well. And, uh, you know, all his numbers across the board, very sustainable, kind of in line with, with career numbers, except for his on-ice shooting percentage, uh, especially at even strength, was really high. It was over 11%. Um, you know, and he hadn't touched that. Like, I think his, the next one down was around 9%. So um, I would expect that to regress a little bit, and that means less assists, right? Um, that, that's just the big koozie effect right there, right? Just give it to koozie, buddy. He's shooting. He's, he's going to shoot at 50% next season, over 82 games. Book it, big koozie. He's getting 100 goals. I don't even know how. Um, no, that's that's not accurate. But, uh, yeah, like, obviously, Quinn's Canuck teammates were, were converting at a pretty high level. So, you know, I think that's going to come down a little bit. But everything else is kind of the same. His deployment is insane. That's not going to change. Um, I, I do think there are a few more goals that can maybe happen, like his shooting percentage down. Um, like I said, he's not a big shooter and not a big converter, right? But I, but I think he's got – he could be a 10-goal guy. We could see – like he got seven goals last season. We could see 10, you know, especially on the power play. He's not really – he's not converting there. So, um, yeah, this all said, I'm expecting another kind of 70-point season for Quinn Hughes. I think his floor is really solid. Um, unless some of these other numbers change, I don't think the the ceiling's going to be much higher than, I mean, 80 points. That's That would be like peak Quinn Hughes. Everything would have to go right. Even 76 points last season. I think a lot of those points were kind of in the last little bit, uh, last half of the season. 
Actually, he, I'm looking at it right now. That's not even accurate. He had a very consistent 50-50 split across the seasons. Um, you know, so it, he's just a consistent guy, and I, and I and then that makes him really valuable, right? Um, and I think he's going to be good for another 30-plus power play points as well because his role is ironclad, right? He's going to get over 25 minutes. He's, he's number one on the Canucks power play, and they're going to be good again this season. So, yeah, book it. I think he's a very safe pick. He's number 10 on my list. Thank you, buddy, for your service. All right. Next player down at number nine, we're looking at Evan Bouchard. Devin? <laughs> what are you doing here? Yeah. I tried to keep this man off this list because there are a bunch of other good options, really, but he's the quarterback of one of the best power plays ever. How in the world could I live with myself if I don't put Evan Bouchard on this list, right? So, you know, obviously... Like, we'll dive in. We'll dive in and have a look at Evan Bouchard, but we know what happened last season, right? Tyson Berry went bye-bye, and Boosh drove him to the airport, all right? He said, get in the car. I'm going to get you there for your flight. We need to be there an hour early. How about four hours early, all right? He's dropping him off. He's he's buying him a Coke, right, and a smile. So, obviously, Bouchard was a major beneficiary of Tyson Berry being moved to Nashville, right? He took over on Power Play 1. And he just went off, right? He proceeded to score 16 points in the last 18 games with Edmonton of the, the regular season. And then we saw what he did in the playoffs, right? 17 points in 12 playoff games, including 15 power play points. Buddy, um, it, it's kind of just wetting the whistle a little bit. You know what I mean? It, I don't know if I like how that sounds, but but you get the gist, right? He's it, It's given us a glimpse into what I think we can expect, you know, moving into next season here. Has 15 power play points in the playoffs. That actually led the league in power play points, even though the Oilers were bounced after the second round. So th- there's a lot to like. There's so much potential. There's so much ceiling with Evan Bouchard. You know, um, before before Tyson Berry was moved, Bouchard was he was getting the 16 minute man treatment, right? Which was really tough because a lot of analysts and I I was on the fence. I, I you know lead, going into last season. I thought Bouchard it could be an interesting pick, but it was far from a sure thing that he would get power play one, and that's what ended up happening, right? Tyson Berry had power play one for most of the season until he was moved, right? But uh, once that happened, runway was clear, and Bouchard took over, right? And he didn't look back. So it's kind of hard to analyze um, the advanced metrics with Bouchard without separating them into two seasons. So I kind of look at his playoffs as a marker for him and kind of what they what they want to do with him moving forward. I mean, he only averaged 18 minutes and 30 seconds average time on ice um, in the regular season, right? But that's kind of the tale of two seasons. But in the playoffs, he averaged 23 minutes time on ice. I think that's going to be closer to what he gets in the season. 21 to 23 minutes average time on ice with, you know, in the playoffs, he averaged almost 80% power play share. So he's getting it. He's getting that whole boat with the big boys, right? And he's one of them. He looked good in the playoffs, obviously, with the 15 power play points, but... Um, yeah, all those things are trending upwards. And I think 23 minutes is kind of what we can expect from this guy going into the season. So that's good. And if we look at kind of separate his season into even strength, power play, all that stuff, even strength wasn't really anything to write home about for Evan Bouchard, right? It was just all about the power play. And I think going into the season, you know, if, if numbers hold, I think he could be in for a big, big season. And I'm taking a big swing with Boosh this season and calling for 70 points, right? Um, you know, it just seems like when I'm looking at my projections, there was a lot of defense and that came out with 70 points. So it's like you get 70 points and you get 70 points and you get 69 points. All right. So, I mean, Bouchard is lower on this list. He's number nine to me because he's unproven at this point, right? There's unknowns going into the season. Yes, he had a great end to the season and playoffs, but will he be prioritized the same way coming into the next season? Will he get that 70% power play share he had? If so, bang. It's fireworks time. I think we can really rely on this man. I also think more goals are coming for uh, Evan Bouchard as well because his uh, his shooting percentage was somewhat low for a player with his level of opportunity and the players that he's playing with, right? At, he had 5.1% last season. So I honestly believe in a real breakout for Bouchard and I, I just don't think, how could you not call for that at this point? I think it's a safe, it's a safe take that Evan Bouchard is going to break out. And yeah, so that just leaves us like, where does this guy go in drafts? Yahoo, um, I talked about them coming into, you know, or 
their rankings have come out and there's some mock drafts going on, but they have, they have them something stupid, like 185 or something. Um, and that's just, that's going to change in quick order The you know, once their ADPs kind of get sorted out and all, all the rankings sort of normalize, right? Still, where does he go? I like Bouchard late in round three or early round four, right? Anything before that. And it gets a little dicey for me. It's not a bad pick by any means, right? It, um, it's just a bit more of a swing than I want to take at that point because we still haven't seen it consistently from him, whereas we have from others in that area of the draft, other players I'm going to mention in this list. But if Evan Bouchard is there in round four, I'm picking him up. All right, pick him up. I think you're going to be happy with the pick. I, it's just, honestly, I can't take big swings this early. Uh, and Bouch is a bit of a swing, like a small-ass swing. I do think it's a great pick, though, and he should pay off. And if you pick him before then, it's not a whiff by any means. Evan Bouchard, he's going to have a great season. Book it. I mean, that's that's common sense if he gets that power play, right? Right. All right. Thank you. Okay, let's move on. At number eight, we're looking at Adam Fox of the New York Rangers. Adam Fox uh, quietly went about his business last season. Um, he didn't really receive fanfare uh from analysts that that he did the season previous, right? But if you look, take a look at what Fox has been able to do the last few seasons, he's been the model of consistency in a D-man over the last three uh, seasons. His variance in his numbers are are pretty low, right? So let's take a look. First off, let's take a look at what Fox was able to do last season. In 82 games, played all 82. I like that, buddy. He had 72 points, including 12 goals and 60 assists. That's excellent. Um, you know, shot the highest shooting percentage of his career at 7.5, but that, that's nothing crazy, right? That's, that's not off the charts. 29 power play points. Bang. He's good to go on the power play. We all know that. And he had, uh, 24 minutes and 23 seconds average time on ice. So all very positive, um, sustainable numbers in my opinion for Adam Fox. So let's take a look. Let's, uh, let's, let's do a bit of a deep dive here and see what happened. Um, he did have the highest shooting percentage of his career last season, as I said, but not by much. It's not a ridiculous number. The only number that really stood out to me a little bit was his on ice shooting percentage at even strength. It was actually the lowest of his career. And I think it has a little bit of room to, to bump up a touch, right? Um, then when I looked at the power play, it, it's a, it was a bit of a surprise because he's not a big shooter or goal scorer on the power play. Um, but the good thing is he doesn't need to be in New York with all the talent they have there. Obviously, they know what the hell they're doing. And this guy is a cog in the wheel, you know, that kind of uh, makes it move there, right? Still a bit of a surprise, though, to, to see Adam Fox only one power play goal in the last two seasons for this man. One! What the? That's, I, I did not expect to see that, actually, you know. And, and these are big seasons, right? <laughs> like, that's, he had 62 power play points in the last two seasons, one goal. Not all pee, pee times are poo-poo times. But all poo-poo times are pee, pee times. 62 points, one goal. Wow. All right. That's, that's interesting. That's just an interesting little stat there. So I wouldn't expect, you know, really any goals moving forward from him on the power play. It's just not something that he does, right? And they don't need him to do that. Still, crap ton of assists. So... He's a perennial 70-point D-man to me, right? You get 70 points, Adam Fox, and he just has to be on this list, right? A guy that's going to get 70 points as a D-man pretty much every year, got to be on this list. So in points leagues, for sure. Um, another kind of just interesting surprise is how little Fox hits or shoots, right? I've been doing that for years. I'm, a, I'm an old cowboy. I'm an old dancing boy. I take that bull, I smack him upside his ass. He try to get cute with me. And that kind of keeps him a little lower on this list to me because uh, even in points leagues, you might have some banger waiting or um, anything, and he just doesn't do any of that, right? Um, Adam Fox last season, 25 hits, 125 blocks. That's not terrible, right? So thank you for the blocks, buddy. But 25 hits, ah, how does that even happen? I guess he's just he's just calling Jacob Truba over here. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm taking your number, buddy. And then he goes back to the bench and he tells Jacob Truba, like, can you get this guy for me? And then Truba goes out and just domes somebody, all right? But we might talk about him later. But right now we're talking about this unit, Adam Fox. So that all said, no perifs, no big deal. Um... He still has that top power play, and it's a really good one there in New York, obviously, right? Interesting thing about Fox, too, I can honestly say I've never had him on one of my teams. 
which is weird because, as I said, he's a model of consistency, and that makes him really valuable, right? But he, he was going really high. He was kind of in that second tier of, of D-men or maybe even the top tier, some of them, last season in drafts. So I didn't want him there. Uh, but that said, he's not going to go there this season. I think that we could get Fox at value in draft season. I've seen him going in the fourth round in spots, and that's a freaking slam dunk. That's that's just putting your league mates on a poster, all right? Crushing their spirits and hurting their feelings, all right? If you get Adam Fox in the fourth round, buddy, that's uh, that's a nice place to be. So um, just keep an eye out for Fox. Like, definitely draft this man with confidence. No problem there. He's I think he's good. He's kind of like Quinn Hughes. He's, I think... He does a little bit more than Quinn Hughes peripherally, and that's why he's he's above uh, Quinn Hughes in this list. Okay. All right, let's move on. At number seven, I've got Brandon Montour of the Florida Panthers. It's called Sex Panther. Yeah, awesome season for Montour, no question. He had a big breakout, and I didn't see it coming at all. Uh, you know, not with Ekblad in town and, and not with what the Panthers were able to do the season previous, right? Everybody was hitting career numbers. Everybody was eating. Uh, so for them to come in and, and make a big change like like this, having Brandon Montour take over on the power play, bang. Um, but he really hit, right? Montour himself hit career numbers across the board. And yeah, he, he, got, uh, he got the keys to power play one and he never looked back, right? So let's take a look at what Montour was able to do last season. He played 80 games, which is excellent. 73 points. Wow. I mean, that is a true breakout. Uh, the season previous in Florida, he had 81 games, 37 points. So, I mean, his deployment skyrocketed. His power play deployment went through the roof, right? He, he went from a 27% power play share in 2021 to a 74% power play share in 2022 with, a, with an elite offensive team, right? So that's what happened here. I think we can all see that. Um, but another thing that Montour does so well for a defenseman, he shoots. So this season, he averaged three shots on goal per game. That's like forward level stuff. That's, that's what forwards average. And, you know, he averages more than a lot of forwards in some cases. So I think now that he's kind of defined his role in this team, I think the shots are here to stay. Um, and his shooting percentage and on-ice shooting percentage were reasonable as well. So I don't see a lot of regression or real movement coming there that's going to make a big difference. And then, you know, he got the biz on the power play, right? Um, his shooting percentage on the power play was low for him, actually, much like the rest of the Florida power play. As I've mentioned before on this podcast, right, Florida's a team I'm very interested in next season because th their conversion uh, and their luck metrics last season were not good, right? Um, they were second in the league on the power play and shots four per 60 and only they were only 24th in the league in power play shooting percentage, right? So second in the league in shots converting at only 24th pace. What the hell? That That's, that's just no luck. That's snake bitten, right? So they didn't convert at a rate that made sense with the amount of shots they were taking. And that says to me, you know, much like a lot of other Florida players, Montour could score a bit more on the power play. I'm just bullish on these guys. I'm bullish on the Panthers. I think positive regression should be coming for a lot of these players with their luck metrics. The only reason Montour is this low on, on this list is that he's coming off shoulder surgery. He had a torn labrum. And, uh, you know, it sounds like he's going to be back and good to go for training camp. Uh, or sorry, for the start of the season. But, you know, he's not going to be able to train in the offseason the way he normally does. And I expect a little bit of a slower start for Montour. Um, that said, I have enough confidence to draft him for sure. Um, especially if he falls a little bit due to the injury and he might, right? So we just have to look at the body of work that Montour did last season here. At times in the playoffs, he was Florida's best player. It was like the Kachuk Montour show. And, uh, I, I think he's going to continue to be top dog on the power play. I think that's his for the upcoming season. You know, Paul Maurice likes him there, and obviously he nailed it, right? So, yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a small risk for me due to the, the injury that he's recovering from in the offseason, but I think he'll be good to go coming into the season. And he, yeah, he's right in the wheelhouse, right? And this team, I think, is going to be a lot better offensively. Okay? Yeah. Let's move on. All right, we're into the top six. Yeah. Okay, at number six, I got to go with... Miro, the hero. This fresh, delicious, tasty, meaty, turkey-filled, cold-cut combo. Miro Heiskinen of the Dallas Stars. Welcome to the show. 
okay? Buddy broke out in a massive way. And I think, you know, a lot of us saw this coming, right? When John Klingberg, the Klingon, left Dallas, you know, we knew this man would get all the power play one time, and that's exactly what happened, right? He popped for 34 power play points. Dallas's power play was ranked fifth overall in the league. That's excellent. So that's how we do's it. Let's take a look, though, at what Heiskanen was able to do this last season. So played 79 games, 73 points after a 36-point campaign the season previous. So what a difference a year makes. This guy went off. And uh, yeah, we, as I mentioned, <laughs> mostly on the power play, right? Um, in 2021 with Dallas, he only had 11 power play points. Last season with Dallas, 34 power play points, as I mentioned. That's huge. He had a 65% power play share, and his ice time went up even more. He, he averaged 25 minutes and 30 seconds on ice, right? That's a career high as well. So, um, yeah, great season for, for Miro. Let's take a look uh, under the hood and see kind of what, what happened there. So shots on goal, individual Corsi 4, and individual scoring chances for were all around career numbers, right? Um, so there's nothing crazy there. Uh, this is at even strength. So, I mean, nothing too high, too low. On-ice shooting percentage was the highest of his career. That's one thing. But again, that wasn't an unreasonable number to me for an offensive D-man on a good team. It was legitimately the power play that took off for him, as we said. And strangely, his shooting percentage on the power play was the second lowest of his career. It was only... Um, 4.35%. Conversely, his on-ice shooting percentage on the power play was the highest he's ever had at 16%, right? So long story short, those things should both regress toward the mean. Okay, so the on-ice shooting percentage goes down a little bit. The, the individual shooting percentage goes up a little bit, right? And it kind of balances it out. Um, so I think Heiskanen's output should probably remain similar, in my opinion. And just the way this kid skates as well. I mean, just the eye test. He's a next-level skater. He has got great vision. And he plays on a team with elite offensive options in Hints and Jason Robertson. And they're just another year in their development. I think Jason Robertson's going to have a huge year. Um, there's just a lot to like from, from Miro next season. And I think this is repeatable. And it's going to be bolstered by his role on that power play, right? Plus, he gets a ton of deployment, as I said, sixth in the league, in fact. So, um, you know, I'll stamp this man as well. Draft this man with confidence. Miro Heiskinen, uh, he's going to be really good this season. And if, if you get him anywhere, again, third, fourth round, I think very reasonable for Heiske. Um, any later than that, oh, man. And you might get him later. I've seen him go a little bit later. So uh, I think he'll be really happy with the pick. And any, anybody on Dallas, that's a freaking wagon uh, this upcoming season, no question. Okay, now we are into the top five, and starting with number five, I got to go with Eric Carlson. Let's do it. Yeah, he's fifth. Yeah, 100-point season, fifth. What the hell are you doing, Blake? This makes no sense. Look, well, why don't you sit down and I'll tell you, all right? Um, yeah, first off, how the hell do we evaluate the, the last season there with uh, Carlson? It just seemed like going into that season, Carlson was put out to pasture, left for dead in San Jose. But, you know, the guy had freaking rocket fuel left in the tank. He blasted off. And I don't know a lot of analysts that saw that coming. All right. I mean, I picked him up in a couple leagues last year, but as a kind of just a, a late, late uh, round flyer, right? A swing. Uh, you know, maybe he'll get me 40, 50 points. Like, no, 100 points. What, what this man did last season. So it's crazy. That was exceptional. It, it, it's just it, everything went right for Carlson last season. So let's look at what he did. I, I'm, I'm interested myself. So um, 101 points in 82 games. So first off, 82 games, that's, that's not something I expected from him either after playing four straight seasons of just 50 games, uh, you know, 53 games, 56, 52, 50. Those are his last four seasons amount of games that he played. So all 82, that's great to see. Big-time shots. He had 209 shots over the season. Uh, he did get his career high in shooting percentage at 12%, so eh, that's, uh, that's a red flag number one. Um, power play points went up from 10 the season previous to 27 last season. That's excellent. Um, and then average time on ice, 25-37. That's huge as well. Good enough for fifth in the league. So he was playing a ton. He's a freaking horse. His season was exceptional. So when we dig under the hood a little bit, there's a couple things that that 
I think we have to expect regression here from Eric Carlson. And one of those things is he had the fourth lowest shots on goal per 60 of his career at five on five, but the highest shooting percentage of his career. So he's shooting less, he's converting more, right? That's not a great start, okay? Um, I think that's going to regress to normal numbers, right? He shoots more, like, he shoots more in the 4 to 8% range. But last season, he was cooking at 10.53 at even strength, right? So he had the Midas touch. Everything he, he, he touched was going in the net for sure, but the odds are not on his side to repeat that. And especially now that he's going to a new team with a new role, right? Which is undefined at this point. In San Jose, there's no question he was the number one guy. He was required to do everything. But on Pittsburgh, he's part of an aging but a talented group. And I think that he'll be more of a supplemental piece there, albeit like an elite supplemental piece, right? Elite offensive supplemental piece, but still a supplement nonetheless. Um, On a shooting percentage was the highest of his career as well at 10.51. So, you know, he's an offensive defenseman and like that, that might kind of bump down a little bit. And as I mentioned already, his overall shooting percentage was a career high at 12%. So expect that to regress. He is going to a more talented team though, but I don't think that number is sustainable either. So what this means is instead of a hundred point Eric Carlson, it's probably closer to a 70 point Eric Carlson. You get 70 points, Eric Carlson, but that's still super valuable in fantasy, obviously, right? His role on Pittsburgh is not known at this point. And the, you know, the presence of Chris Letang muddies the water a bit there, especially on the power play. Because does, does Carlson even get power play one? My gut says that he does. Um, but does he get the 74% power play share he had last season? I think not. Okay. And if you look at the power play shares that Carlson has had throughout his career, this is kind of an interesting piece. His best seasons were when he got over 70%. So let, let's look at that, right? So all those big seasons in Ottawa when he was kind of the number one guy, I mean... You know, he had seasons of 73 points in 2013, 66 the next season, 82 the season after that, 69 the season after that, right? And uh, those four seasons, his power play percents were 76%, 83%, 92%, and then 72%. And then when he goes to San Jose, um, his power, he was still getting number one power play time, but um, it went down to 67%, 67%. And then his last two seasons in San Jose before this one, 61% and 59%. That's when Brent Burns was there with him, right? So the, the presence of Brent Burns really affected Carlson's output, right? He, he wasn't relied on to do what he was doing before. And I'm not sure he knew how to play with Brent Burns, right? And that could be just very specific to Brent Burns, but now he's going to a team in Pittsburgh that has Chris Letang, who has his own kind of gravity too. And he's an elite, he's an elite defenseman as well. He he's he's been a, a great power play defenseman for years. So are they just gonna boot Letang off the power play? I don't think so. I think they might go with two defensemen on the top power play, at least to start and see what sticks. But it wouldn't surprise me at all if during the season Eric Carlson goes to power play two for for periods, right? So um, that to me is that, that's why Carlson isn't after coming off a hundred point season. That's why he's not number one, right? I, I think there, there are too many variables here. I still think he's, I'm glad that he showed that he's still an elite defenseman, right? With a hundred, hundred points. You don't get that just by accident, right? This, this man's elite offensively. He's one of the best, if not the best offensive defenseman in the league. I think we can all safely say that, but he, he just, there, there's too many things that are, are coming up that are unknown that, that, that I, I'm, I can't really bank on, you know what I mean? And what, one more thing, even just on this, like he had amazing deployment last season with San Jose, 25 minutes, 37 seconds, average time on ice. I don't think he's going to get that with Pittsburgh, right? Probably closer to 21 to 23 minutes, right? They don't need him to do everything. So less time on ice means less output, less scoring. So he's still going to put up points, but I think we got to temper expectations here. And for me personally, I'm not going to be drafting Carlson just because of the variables I discussed. I'll let somebody else take that headache on. That said, I'm confident he's going to be a great fantasy contributor. But I like a little safer pick, you know, at the point where Carlson's going to go. And I've seen him go second round. I've seen him go third round. And I'm just not interested at that price in draft season. Okay. But yeah, Eric Carlson, he's going to be an interesting player to watch this upcoming season for sure. All right, moving down the list. Number four, I've got Rasmus Dahlin from the Buffalo Sabres. He had a true breakout last season. 
Yeah, Dalene was was excellent. He, I, I think he's poised to repeat in my mind with with the great offensive talent they have in Buffalo. And that's such a weird thing to say, considering where the franchise has been even recently. Like just just stinky, just hot garbage, right? And now all of a sudden, it's 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 aces up for these guys, right? They've got a, a ridiculous stable of of talent, you know, in the wings waiting to come up. They got guys like Cousins, Tage, you know, the Power Glove, Owen Power, Power Glove. And not to mention, you know, Zach Benson, they just cut in the 2023 draft. This team is it's going to be good to go for a while, right? And I think, so just in terms of Darlene here at number four, I've got him ranked higher than the others just due to the peripherals that he brings as well. Uh, you know, I know we're talking points leagues here, but, um, you know, a lot of points leagues have some banger waiting. You might have hits or blah, I don't even know, but that that's why I've ranked him a little higher here. Um, you know, so let, let's see, let's talk about that and see what Rasmus did. Okay. So 78 games last season. How about 73 points? Bang. I love that. Including 15 goals, 58 assists. Um, shooting percentage was very reasonable, you know, 7.3% after he got 7.6% the season before. So that could be something that's real for him. He upped his shots big time, uh, from 2.1 last season to 2.6 um, in 2022. So that's great. But really, it was the power play that popped. He hit for 32 power play points, including six goals. And yeah, it's just uh, things just went right offensively for the Sabres. And also, he had a career high in ice time of 25 minutes and 48 seconds. So things are looking good there for Darlene. Getting a little deeper on this man, let's take a look. First off, he's a staple on power play one. Uh, with a 66 percent power play share, which I think could potentially go up next season. I mean, if if it if Buffalo at all matches league trends, right? Power play one in on the best offensive teams are usually getting like that seventy percent power play share, right? So that may happen. I don't know. That's that's there, there's not a lot of um, science behind that. I'm just thinking that he has a little bit of headroom there. It's almost only a sixty six percent power play share. But to me, Darlene is a player that's legitimately broken through. He's playing confident and his situation is solid, right? He's a top dog there in Buffalo. That's not changing next season. And I've got him projected for 70 points again next season. You get 70 points. I'm giving it to everybody, all right? But I, I think that should be the benchmark moving forward for this guy. And as I said, you know, when I was making this list, it was a surprise to see so many D-men projecting for 70 points. But I think this is the league now, right? There, there are more goals, you know, the scoring's up across the league and defensemen are getting their piece of the pie, right? I think Darlene's going to have a great season uh, and he's right in that second tier of defensemen. I could see him going late second, early third, and I'd be absolutely happy to get him there. But um, everything that Darlene is doing to me is sustainable at this point. And he's got the deployment to kind of keep that going as well. So I like the player a lot. Book it. Get Darlene in your life immediately. All right. We're going to the top three. All right. At number three, teach me how to Dougie. Teach me how to Doug. Teach me, teach me how to Doug. Doug. Dougie Hamilton. I love it. Um, I've, I've picked this man up in a bunch of mock drafts and a couple best ball drafts that I have as well. Um, I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm big on the Devils this season. I think there's positive regression coming, you know, kind of like Florida with their with their shooting percentage uh, at all strengths. And one thing about Dougie that I love, he's a 20 goal threat, right from the from the defenseman position. And I don't know, guys like that gotta have it. All right, um, I love this man. I'm all in on New Jersey this season. I know what a hot take. That's uh, yeah, big time hot take there, but. Defensemen that shoot at the rate Hamilton does are they're just not common. And I they should be coveted, really. And that's why he's so high on this list for me. Especially when they play on a team that led the league in scoring chances at all strengths. New Jersey, most scoring chances in the entire league. They're a freaking wagon, and that's gonna continue this season. Book it. Uh, but let's look at Dougie. Buddy, what'd you do this year? 74 points in 82 games, including 22 goals. I love that. Um, and Hamilton shoots at an elite rate for defensemen. Like even just looking at his last four seasons here um, in 2019, 3.6 shots on goal per game, 
3.3, the next season 3.2, the season after that, and then last season 3.4 shots on goal per game. That's a ton. I love it when a D-man shoots that much, right? Um, just more chance for goals, more chance for rebound, assists, you know, for the forwards. So we love that, and Hamilton is one of the best at it. Dougie had career highs across the board last season, including a whopping 28 power play points and a 70% power play share. That's what we wanted to see. Um, the season previous, it was interesting. He only had a 52 power play percent share. Um, and he was sort of sharing that with uh, Damon Severson, which was interesting. An interesting choice for the coach there in New Jersey. But they didn't mess around this year. They said, Dougie, get your biscuits out there on the back end and start just pounding the puck at the net. And that's what he did. Um, so we'd love to see that. Just over three minutes average time on ice on the power play. I'd like to see that go up a little bit. That'd be nice. Things do get a little interesting next season in Jersey with Luke Hughes playing his first full season with the club and then Simon Nemec in the wings as well. But I still think that it's going to be Dougie's spot on power play one, at least for this upcoming season. If uh, Hamilton does go down though, Hughes is a must roster player, no question. Um, but if you look at um, Doug Hamilton's Doug Hamilton, that sounds weird. Dougie Hamilton's advanced metrics are consistent across the board, and he's just their go-to option on D. And that's not going to change this upcoming season, as I said. So I expect another 20-goal, 50-point, uh, sorry, 20-goal, 70-point season with a bit of headroom for Dougie Hamilton, which is another reason why I like him, because his time on ice is a touch low for a player of this caliber, right? He only played 21 minutes and 46 seconds last season, and that has a little bit of room to grow, I think, albeit, you know, probably on the penalty kill, but I think he could get more time on the power play as well as he averaged just over three minutes, as I said, last season. It's all systems go for Big Dougie, and I'm here for it. I think uh, it's just going to be a big season for New Jersey in general for fantasy. They've got so many studs in that roster, and, uh, yeah, this is a guy I'm excited about going into the season. All right, we got the top two D-men, and then we'll get into category leagues. Let's do it. You know who shoots more than Dougie Hamilton? Our number two pick, Roman Yossi. Oh, man. People are sleeping on this man. He He's still the number two option for me for D-men, in my opinion. Yes, uh, Nashville had a terrible season last year, but they were also decimated with injuries, including one to this unit. Right, Not to mention Philip Forsberg, their main offensive weapon up front. Yossi's by far the best player on Nashville, no question. And he's going to get back to business this season. His numbers were encouraging last season, but they didn't reach the heights of 2021, you know, where he had a career-best 93 points. I think that the 93-point season that Yossi had, that's peak Yossi. I don't think that's coming back. It's not sustainable. Um, you know, they had to really pop off on the power play that year. Um you know, and everybody on Nashville, they were actually juiced on the power play that season. Everybody was eating. He had 37 power play points that season. That's ridiculous and unsustainable. But I do believe that uh, Yossi's a, a perennial 30 power play point guy. And I think he should be valued as a 70 to 80 point D-man, even on this team, right? At even strength, Roman Yossi, he had the highest shots, of, shots on goal per 60 of his career, right? He was cooking, um, you know, there's less talent on this team too. So he's, he will be needed to do more. And historically he's shown that he can do more, right? Um, his shooting percentage for him at even strength was low. So that could see an uptick, but his on ice shooting percentage was right in line. So maybe just a few more goals for Yossi at even strength. So that that's something we could possibly expect, but as usual, ton of shots on the power play for him. Second highest he's ever had actually. And a shooting percentage that has some room for positive regression as well on the power play. So a couple things that I like to see also on ice shooting percentage on the power play was on the low end of his range, which is typically from 12 to 15%. He had 12.45. So I think that can go back up on the power play with Forsberg back and the additions of veterans, you know, Gustav Nyquist and Ryan O'Reilly, as crazy as that sounds. I mean, they were rolling with some ridiculous lineups in Nashville last season. You know, guys, like, I don't even know who the hell these people are. So um, it should be a better season for Yossi. He's still a premier D-man in this league, especially in fantasy. He just does it all. So, um, again, I, I think he's the clear number two overall, in my opinion. And I, I have no problem drafting Yossi here. Um, he, he's shown that he can, he can just do everything. Great season, derailed by injury. So you might be able to get him at value too, Okay. All right, I think we know who number one is. I don't think this is a hot take, but we're talking about 
Um, Kale McCarr. Vile weed! At number one. To me, he's an easy number one. He's simply, he's just the best at his position, and I don't think you can really argue that. Um, he, McCarr still hit a 90-point pace last season, despite battling injuries for part of the season. He was also without, you know, one-third of, of the Avs' top line with, in Gabriel Landeskog. So, um, you know, there just isn't anyone who does what McCarr does, in my opinion. So look at, looking at his season last year, 60 games he was able to play. He got 66 points. That's a 90-point pace. Um, you know, his shots on goal per game, kind of in line with what he normally does. 30 power play points in 60 games. He, he would have had a career high if he would have been able to play all 82. So that's excellent. Um, over four minutes, average time on ice on the power play. And Kale McCarr led the league in deployment. Pure and simple. 26 minutes, 23 seconds. Kale McCarr, he's your number one, right? Maybe take that down a little bit, coach. Uh, and maybe he can play more than 60 games. I don't know. But um, I'm never going to argue with deployment right especially for fantasy get these studs out there so we can get some points all right forget about their health right that's not true i uh, i care deeply for these men's health all right but let's move on um but in terms of makar he, he can do everything like i said he, he leads the rush he gets buku scoring chances he can play a cycle game i mean he's had a 72 point pace or higher for all four seasons he's played in the nhl so far that's that's freaking nuts I mean, he's had some injury troubles along the way, so we, we haven't seen full Makar here, but you can't not draft him because of that. We've talked about that lots. I've, I've been doing a few mocks so far on, on Yahoo and Fantrax, as I said, and I've seen Makar go in the second round a bunch of times, and that seems a bit low to me. Like, I wasn't a fan of taking Makar at number five last season, you know, or higher, <laughs> some analysts had him, but I think it swung too far the other way, Right. And that's a good thing for us. That means value for us on Makar. I think we can get him, you know, uh, for a song. I think anything from pick nine onwards in your drafts is Kale Makar at value. And I'm a big believer in value over replacement, right? So, but if besides Carlson's ridiculous season last year, which I don't think is repeatable, as I said, there's no player who can do what Makar does, right? So taking him in the first round seems reasonable to me. There are plenty of offensive players forwards that are available in middle or later rounds of the draft, but there's no D-man even close to this caliber later on, right? So that's what value over replacement is. You're, you're, you're picking up a player who's uh, heads and shoulders above the rest of the pack, above an average player, right? So um, I think we can make that up on the back end with our forward group. But if McCarr's there at nine and after, you got to have him. I mean, depending on your, on your draft strategy, right? But... There's an interesting thing I've seen as well what you can do in the first round. Like if you if you pick up Makar at 9, 10, 11, or 12, like, you know, you can still get an elite offensive forward coming back on the, the snake draft, right? So um, I, I would just lock this man up ASAP, right? I expect a big season, not to mention he'd led the league at time on ice, as I said. Good God, this this guy, he's... Um, he's good to go, and I'm, I'm really excited about a Kale Makar season. I think he's going to get all that deployment as well, all right? I know we're getting a little long in the tooth here. I want to carry on. I'm going to give you kind of an abbreviated version of my top 10 defensemen in category leagues. This list to me is a bit more subjective, and there's a counterbalance you kind of have to find between offensive output and peripheral output, right? Um, and when we're doing category leagues, I'm going to do some strategy episodes as well where I kind of talk about how I like to draft in points leagues, how I like to draft in category leagues. But I'll give you a little bit of that now for category leagues. Like the way I like to think of it is you treat each category like goal scoring, basically. Like they're all equally important. Um, and a player who excels in two or more of those categories becomes a lot more valuable in this format, right? Um, that said, like I, I, I weigh a little heavier on offensive output right because especially for d-men that goes away really quickly right i mean we're talking about a bunch of 70 point defensemen but you know that um once that tier kind of goes away um it the, the offense falls off a cliff right we're not looking at 70 point defensemen anymore but we can still get those perifs so just keep that in mind when listening to this list i'm sure it's going to change close to the season but here it is for now all right let's do it all right number 10 we're talking about darnell Nurse of the Edmonton Oilers, this man is a beefer. Is it still hot out there? Did you catch a game last night? Have you tried the lasagna? It's my favorite. All right, we know he's a beefer. Um, the $9 million man, Darnell Nurse, 
Let's see what he did last season. I'll tell you what I'm talking about, all right? Um, and I'm not going to do crazy deep dives into these guys because we're talking about perifs, all right? So in 82 games, played all 82 last season, 43 points, including 12 goals. So that's nice. That That's a nice piece for Darnell Nurse. He can score some goals uh, for a defenseman, and he's doing that um, all at even strength, which is also very valuable. Um, Darnell Nurse is great. He had 203 shots, so that's nice for a defenseman, right? Averaging 2.5. That's excellent. His shooting percentage was, you know, kind of in line with his career numbers, um, 5.9 last season. So I think we can sort of expect that again, but you're here to see what he does peripherally and buddy, this guy, he's ridiculous, um, with his hits and his blocks. So 146 hits last season, 164 blocks and 23 and a half minutes average time on ice. So he's getting the deployment and he's delivering with those peripherals. So, I, I mean, a 43-point 43, 43 defenseman, I think this is something we can expect from Nurse. 40-point, I think, should be kind of in the wheelhouse for him, including 10, 10 goals. That's very nice. Um, he doesn't get any power play time, so that's fine. I mean, if Evan Bouchard goes down, I think Nurse will probably get, get a ride on the top power play, so keep that in mind. That's another reason to sort of value Nurse here. But yeah, it's the peripherals. Like, you know, listen to some of these numbers. Last four seasons, here's the hits this man's been able to do. All right, 172, 117 in an injury-shortened season. Uh, in 2021, he had 196 hits. Buddy, oh my God. And then last season, 146 hits. And he's, he's matching it with the blocks. So just, I'm very comfortable with, with Darnell Nurse. It feels weird drafting him kind of high in a, in a fantasy league. But if you're in a Cats league, it makes absolute sense right? Because if we treat hits and blocks like goals and assists, like this guy's crushing. He's one of the best in the league. All right. So keep it in mind. Thank you, Darnell, for your service. Let's move on at number nine. Uh, this is where I got a little, little funky, but I'm, I'm taking Mikhail Sergachev here at number nine. You know, I, I mean, he could have been mentioned maybe in the, in the points leagues here. He had a great season, 64 points in 79 games. Uh, definitely a breakout for him. He was prioritized a lot more on offense, and he really cooked on the power play. Um, I had an interesting talk with someone, I think it was on, on X, just regarding, you know, Hedman and Sergachev on power play one and who was getting it. And, you know, Sergachev actually didn't get power play one more than Hedman. They, they split it almost down the, down the middle, 50-50. So he had a 48% power play share, which was up, way up from the season previous where he only had 30, but... He really converted when he was on the power play. So 27 power play points last season after seven the previous season. So clearly that was a major positive regression for him on the power play, Sergeyev. But what we're looking at again, what does he bring peripherally? So he's averaging two shots on goal per game. That's nice. 128 hits, 149 blocks last season in an offensive role, playing 23 minutes and 49 seconds average time on ice. I, I just... I don't know. You, you have to, the, the reason Sergachev isn't a little higher here is, is because I'm not sure what the power play situation there is in Tampa Bay. Um, I think Hedman still has some juice left in the tank. And it, I just, I, I, I don't know, like 48% he had uh, Sergachev. That's, what are they going to do? I, I don't know. We have to, we have to kind of see it, right? I thought it was a little more cut and dry when I was thinking about it in the off season. But then when I looked into it, Again, I was like, yeah, only 48%. So, um, I mean, if he gets prioritized as the clear number one fantasy, uh, clear number one power play defenseman in Tampa there, we got to bump him up the list. No question, right? Then he'll be a 70-point guy as well. Thank you. 70 points for you too, Mikhail Sergachev, but not quite yet, all right? Um, but again, the perifs are great. The power play points are great, and the shooting's decent as well. So I like him here. That's my number nine. Number eight, I'm taking Hedman over Sergachev at number eight. Oh, it was so weird. First off, not to put Victor Hedman. See you at the party, Richter. See you at the party, Victor. It was so weird to not put him in the top 10 points leagues defenseman, right? We're talking about one of the best defensemen of all time, in my opinion. He, he's, he's elite at so many things. He's only 32. He's a major beefer. He's a roast beef sandwich. But... It's the power play situation that that really dropped off for him last season. So uh, for reference, in 2021, he had 85 points in 82 games, and th he had 38 points on the power play. I mean, we know Tampa Bay's power play is ridiculous. 
Last season, with a 50% power play share, he only cooked for 14 points on the power play, right? He did have 49 points in 76 games, which is still great. But I, I really do think that that's Hedman's floor. And I don't think he's done yet. I don't think he's done yet on the power play. And I'm, I mean, this is a hot take, at least at this point. But I think Hedman takes power play one back from Mikhail Sergachev. I think he'll end the season with a higher power play percentage. And I think he'll get more than 14 power play points next season. So that said, his perifs are usually ridiculous too. I mean, not, not to the level of Sergachev, but you know, he had 95 hits, 136 blocks last season. Um, he shoots more than Sergachev as well, which is another reason why I bumped him a little higher here. And his shooting percentage was low last season, right? So his shooting percentage was 4.9 last season, and his career average is 6.9. His three-year average is 7.1. So, I mean, he wasn't converting at the same rate. So I like Hedman for a bounce back, you know, maybe into like 60-point territory with better power play numbers and and awesome perifs like he usually brings, all right? So Hedman over Sergachev, bit of a hot take, but, you know, Take it for what it's worth, all right? Next up, we got to talk about the freight train, Jacob Truba of the New York Rangers. Oh, my God. Uh, If you want to see some insane hitting, just watch this man's highlight package from the playoffs. Like, holy man. I I saw some clip the other day of him just destroying Timo Meyer. (laughs) It was, it's just an insane hit. I mean, this guy is, you don't want to be playing against this guy. He's just a beefer, no question. Um, and he does so many things in category leagues. So why do we have Jacob Truba ranked so high here? It's, it's weird. He only had 30 points in 82 games. Um, you know, that, that's fine, right? He's not needed to do much offensively, really, with, with the talent they have here in New York. But, I mean, he, does, he shoots really well for a defenseman, so 2.4 shots per game. That's great. But hits and blocks. 218 hits last season. 196 blocks. Oh my God, that'll win your categories. That will straight up win those categories for you, having this guy on your team. So that's why he's ranked so high and that's not going to change. He's been doing it for years. Um, he's, you know, he's a, he's a very durable guy. He gets lots of deployment. You know, his deployment was actually down a little bit last season from 22 and a half minutes the season prior. He played 21 minutes and 12 seconds last season. So it's, it doesn't matter. Like, this guy is just going out there, and he's just crushing people. He's a good leader of this team. He's still young. Yeah, Truba is, should be a priority for you if you're drafting defensemen in Cats Leagues. All right? Book it. Let's move on. The next player I want to talk about is Brent Burns. He's at number six. Um, yeah, uh, Burns, I didn't talk about him in the points leagues there. Um, or, and, you know, I, I question whether to put him in here, but, uh, but I think he still, he still warrants uh, this high up in this list here. So last season in Carolina, his first in Carolina, he had 61 points in 82 games, including 23 power play points, which is nice, um, which is a bounce back for him from his uh, last couple seasons in San Jose. His ice time went down, however. Uh, Last season in San Jose, 26 minutes. Uh, Last season in Carolina, 23-13 is what he averaged. So that said, Carolina's, uh, they're, they're a way better team. Um, and one of the reasons Brent Burns is this high on this list is his ability to score goals, right? This is a guy that scored 29 goals one year with San Jose. He got 18 last year with Carolina, right? Um, so he's got that in the wheelhouse and he shoots a ton as well, right? Like 3.1 shots per game. He's, he's done more than that in his career, right? But he had 255 shots last season. Um, and I just think that um, he's still good to go, right? As far as perifs go, 40 hits and 86 blocks uh, in his first season in Carolina, that's low for him. I think that's going to bounce back a little bit. Um, he's hes typically closer to like 60 to 80 hits. So I think we can sort of, I would expect something along those lines and over 100 blocks is, is would be reasonable to me for Brent Burns. He just wasn't you know, I don't think he played as much shorthanded as he did in San Jose. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how that goes because that's where a lot of those blocks can come from. But I like Burns here because of the ability to score goals for a defenseman. I think that puts him a little bit higher. Um, one thing that is a little bit of a concern is now that Carolina has Tony D'Angelo back, um, you know, does Burns get the same power play deployment? I think he does. I think D'Angelo will take the second one, but... You know, they brought him in for a reason. So I wonder what they're what they're thinking there. So 
That said, I like Burns in a category league. I think it's a it's a nice safe pick, and I think he's good to kind of repeat what he did last season. All right. And the top five in category leagues. Thanks for sticking with me, everybody. Um, we're going to do goalies soon. I've got a bunch of guests lined up over the next few weeks, the next month here. So lots of awesome content coming your way. Okay. All right. Number five, Dougie Hamilton. We got to go back to the ham bone. Dougie Hamilton, as we mentioned, very similar to Brent Burns, you know, uh, uh, an elite shooting defenseman, a guy who, who can hit 20 goals. That's excellent. Power play specialist, 28 power play points last season that we mentioned. Um, peripherally, I'd like to see a little bit more out of Dougie Hamilton, but I mean, he makes up for it in the, in the offensive categories and the shot category. I think he can do more peripherally, more hits, more blocks. Uh, he had 64 hits and 86 blocks last season in 82 games. I mean, for reference, the first season he's with New Jersey, he only played 62 games and he had 87 hits and 92 blocks. So I think it's somewhere in between. You know, he's probably good for 70 to 90 hits, and I'd like to see him get over 100 blocks. I think that's something that he could do with elite shot generation and probably 20 goals. And hopefully an increase in ice time as well, because I think that obviously in category leagues, that's what's going to make the difference there. Okay. Number four, I'm going Brandon Montour for all the reasons I mentioned previous. But if you, you know, he's, an, again, an elite shooting defenseman. 242 shots last season, and his perifs are better to me than Dougie Hamilton's. That's why he's ahead of the game, um, and his deployment's better. So last season, Montour in 80 games, 92 hits, 93 blocks. I think um, he can probably bump that up to 100 and 100. I love to see D-Man with 100 hits, 100 blocks, and then throw on top of that. He's good for 70 points, right? Um, and his deployment's great. So I'm, I'm big on Montour. I think his offense might suffer a little bit, potentially at least at the beginning of the season because he's recovering from injury, but the perifs are not going to suffer at all. He's going to, he's going to be good to go. And I think he's a hundred and a hundred guy next season. Book it. Top three, Darlene. Rasmus Darlene is number three and he, he gets bumped up the list a little bit just strictly due to his perifs. He's great peripherally. Elite shooting defenseman, not to the Dougie Hamilton, Brent Burns, Brandon Montour level, but still over 200 shots over 100 hits and 132 blocks last season with amazing deployment that's not going to change and I think he has a bit of he he has a bit more headroom to to do some more damage offensively so I like the player a lot um but for those those reasons he's ranked higher than than the others he's great peripherally That's all I got to say about Rasmus let's move on to the top 2 I think these are foregone conclusions we're they're the same as in points leagues Yossi at number 2 McCart at number 1 Roman Yossi, uh, you know, again, it's the shot production. 269 shots last year in 67 games. No one's doing that. No D-men are doing that. So that's what makes him so valuable. He doesn't hit as much as you'd like to see. So that kind of stinks, but um, he's a great shot blocking defenseman. So he's not going to hurt you there. And the power play points should be better. I think he'll get 30 power play points next season with ridiculous deployment. 70 points. As per usual, yeah, Roman Yossi, thank you for your service. And then Kale McCarr, we're, we're taking the offensive output here over everything else, right? And peripherally, he's not terrible. Um, in, his, in his best season so far uh, in 2021 with Colorado, 86 points seven, uh, in 77 games. He had 95 hits and 110 blocks. I think that's something we can expect, right? He only played 60 games last season. So he could be a 100-hit, 100-block guy. And that wouldn't surprise me with, with his elite level of offense. So that's what makes him so valuable, not to mention the best deployment out of any player in the league last season at 26 minutes and 23 seconds. I'm not tired. Kale McCarr is your number one defenseman across all formats. That is not going to change. So yeah, but that is it, everybody. That's the top 10 D-men there in category leagues. And I feel good about that. I know there's there's some defensemen that I missed there. And yeah, again, it, it's just a balance between offensive output and peripheral output. There's some just absolute beefers um, you know, on defense that I would love to bring attention to. And I will in later episodes. You know, we'll we'll be doing stuff about um, you know, guys you can target hits, blocks, shots, and, and we'll we'll hit it all, right? We'll we'll we've got lots more in the tank ready to release to you guys here but 
Um, that's it for the top 10 D. I hope you enjoyed the list. Let me know what you think about it. Hit me up on X, DM me, hit me up in the Discord. Come on, please. I need human interaction, all right? I'm talking into a microphone right now in my basement suite, all right? And yeah, this has become my happy place. So be even happier if you guys reach out. So hit me up. Also, keep an eye out. I'm going to be doing some mock drafts with listeners. I mentioned this in the Discord, but I'm creating a league and I'm going to do a mock draft live on air. So if you're interested in doing that, definitely get into the Discord because that's where I'm going to be putting that information. And then I'll put it out on X as well. So make sure you follow me there at Blake Creamer AG. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Celebrate your day. Bye for now. A rational explanation is hardly necessary. necessary, necessary, necessary.